1: Might be the sound of the beginning of your life as a zombie, *The Walking Dead*, or you might have just signed up for another edition that might be an experience near brain death. That is another taping of *Filmically Perfect* on member-supported 913 WYSO. Welcome to this very special presentation as we are live before a live studio audience in the beautiful, opulent, well-appointed studios of Think TV in downtown Dayton. It's a great honor to be taking part in the second. Annual Film Dayton Festival. And yay! on that note, I say yay! yay! Thanks to everyone for being here. I'm Nikki Dakota, your host, and joined in the opulent studio, uh, much bigger than we are used to, is uh, uh, the amazing, the awesome, the total film guys. On your radio right, it is the Nitrate Film Archivist for the Library of Congress and also the possessor of the largest frame brain on the planet. He is George Williman. Mm-hmm. 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 Thank you.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. On your radio left, it is the Your other left. The other left. <laughs> it is the storyboard artist for the Cohen Brothers for some 20 years and counting. And also some other fabulous movies that we all know and love. Friend to all the big stars and friend to filmically perfect. He is film guy number two, he is J Todd Anderson. Look, zombies! Yay! <laughs> As usual, we find ourselves gathering around the notion of perfection.
0: That was George's frame brain.
1: Filmically (laughs) (laughs) Falling from the rafters. We gather around perfection, hence the name filmically perfect, and the criteria for the films that we consider are very strict, very tight. Yes, we uh, have a
0: big committee, and and they, they rough us up and push us around, but we stand fast because today we're doing...
2: Today we are doing White Zombie. Ooh. A
1: 1932 black and white thriller, one of uh, the first that Bela Lugosi did uh, and in the America. the very
0: right. first zombie film and where the name zombie was coined.
2: Right, and um, put into popular
0: use. Yes, it came from a book first. Yeah, we'll get to that.
1: <laughs> so as we consider all of these things and some firsts and in some case lasts, let's remember that the rules four Qualification as a perfect movie. One Very three strict three. indeed. Oh, here we go. Hey, White Zombie is a perfect movie. It creates the world that it
2: existed. And it wholly sustains that world. And regardless of changes in society,
0: White Zombie retains its meaning and entertainment
2: value. And it will never be placed in numerical or preferential order. White Zombie is perfect by its own scale.
1: As we consider all of these things and then some, let's uh, let's start out with a little overview of the action in this, I'm just going to call it, bizarre movie. All right. George Williman's job is generally to give us a little a little tour guide, a little road map of the action. Make and sure you understand weird. this
0: movie is only 62 minutes long, so if George goes 64
2: <laughs> minutes, then you've seen <laughs> and
0: heard the whole movie. That's right. <laughs>
2: Well, basically, White Zombie uh, takes place in Haiti, and it starts out with a young couple coming to Haiti to be married. They go to the house of this landowner named Beaumont, and it turns out that Mr. Beaumont had actually met the girl, whose name is Madeline, on the boat coming down to Haiti, and he'd fallen madly in love with her. But he made a deal saying, if you come to my house, you can get married in my big mansion. While they are waiting uh, for the ceremony to start, he goes off, Beaumont goes off to meet with his neighbor, Named Legendre, who is played by Bella Lugosi, who happens to be a voodoo master.
1: And say his name, it's this. Uh, Le- Bella's Jean- name?
2: Legendre. But his
1: first name is like Murder. Murder, Murder.
2: Murder Legendre is his name. <laughs> and um, they have actually encountered him early on in the film where they ask him directions. He's standing by the side He's of the standing road. standing on the road. <laughs> and they ask him directions. <laughs> he doesn't say anything, but uh, he takes the girl's scarf from her. And actually, our first sound clip for today. Is that scene where they have stopped to ask for uh, where they're stopping to ask for directions, and their um, their coach driver sees something going on? Why did you drive like
1: that, you fool? We might have been killed. Worse than that, Monsieur,
2: we might have been caught.
1: Caught by whom? Those men you spoke to?
2: They are not men, Monsieur. They are dead bodies. Dead? Yes, Monsieur. Zombies. The
1: living dead, corpses taken from their grave, Or made to work in sugar mills and fields at night.
2: Look! Here they come! So Beaumont goes to see uh, Legendre and tells him that he's fallen in love with this girl and he he wants her in any way. She's going to get married to this other guy and he wants her. So actually this goes right into our next sound clip where uh, Legendre basically asks him, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? If she were to disappear for a month, what do you hope to gain
1: by her disappearance? Everything. Everything. Do you think she will forget her lover in a month? Just give me a month. One little month. Not in a month. Not even a year. I have
0: looked
2: into her eyes. She is deep in love. But not with you. They will be married within an hour. There must be a way. No. Not that! Or perhaps a flower. Keep it. You may change your
1: mind. It's a, a little bit, a vial of powder that he's yeah. showing him.
0: You'll listen in this little sound clip, and if you do go out and see the movie, and it's easy to find, it's just never in very good shape, you're going to hear. These creaking noises in the background in this scene or this marvelous scene of uh, these zombies grinding sugar, grinding sugar cane, and they're all just kind of ambling along, which is pretty common now. I bet 1932 wasn't. And keep in mind, some of the sound design in this movie is really, really good for 1932. To to have that nice creaking sound in the background was something they had to work very hard for back then. You know, to get just you know what they needed. Now they mix it 75 times, but. One of the great scenes in that movie, Bela Lugosi, very much in his Dracula kind of character, but when you watch him, he's just as smooth as he can be as an actor. That's, this movie would be nothing without him.
2: Absolutely nothing. Yeah, he definitely is the, the key to the whole film. But Beaumont, sort of half not wanting to, he goes ahead with the zombie uh, treatment, and uh, the the, two, the young people get married, but during their dinner... Uh, the medicine takes effect and she goes, She dies basically, and they bury her. In his or does she? Right. And they bury her in this really atmospheric scene in this, in this crypt. Uh, and then Legendre comes with his zombie minions and they take her coffin out, take her back to the castle, and he reanimates her. And the next time you see her, she's playing the piano, but the light has totally gone from her eyes and she looks like a, a mechanical toy.
1: And the man who zombatized her is looking at her lovingly and wishing that she would come back and right. re-inhabit her. Or do anything. Do anything. Yeah, she's the display. usual
0: pathetic stare that guys give girls when they're playing pianos. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know, They never will come around. You know, so. Now, at the same time, the young husband, who's in a drunken stupor and, and chasing after shadows that man. he thinks are, are her, uh, comes across this missionary who, who had married them, actually. And um, they decide to go off and try to find Madeline because the missionary is suspicious that she has been turned into, thinks that she has been turned into a zombie. Meanwhile, back at the castle, uh, Beaumont is now stricken with remorse for having done this to her because she's just, she's a zombie. She's no fun whatsoever. No. So, so anyways, he, he implores Legendre to bring her back from the dead and, and restore the life to her but finds out there's a little catch to that, and this is our next little sound piece here.
1: Only a pinpoint, monsieur,
2: a flower, or perhaps a glass of wine. You devil! What are you trying to do to me? I have other plans for mademoiselle. And I'm afraid you might not agree.
1: I have taken a fancy to you, but You know, this was considered very scary at one time, but we are all here laughing. Yeah, we laugh, but I'll tell you what, I
0: just
2: love this movie, man. I just, I can't get enough of this movie. Whenever time I see it, it's just too cool. So, anyways, the, the young man and the minister do make it up to Legendre's castle. And there's a big fight with the zombies. Uh, Legendre has, as of course, he's turned Beaumont into a zombie as well. One of the best where he says, scenes, yeah, oh. where he tells him, "I have taken a fancy to you," Ooh. and um, so they they manage to work themselves out onto a, a like a uh, like a porch or a parapet. It's Frank- it's,
0: it looks like Frankenstein's castle like because it, it is.
2: Like. We'll get to that too in a minute. And um, the young man sees the zombies coming down after him, and he asks Legendre, what, who are these people? And he says, for you, they are the angels of oh, death. God. And, uh, but, but yeah, then... That's then. not Count either. That's Bella Lugosi. <laughs> <laughs> so they come up, but just as he's doing his little control trick with the hands, the, uh, the minister manages to, to whack Lugosi on the head yeah. as he's trying to control the zombies. Which, of course, causes the zombies to walk straight off the cliff into the ocean. Gravity. Yeah. And, and then the uh, the as, as Lugosi tries one more time to take the girl back with him, to you know, control her again, Beaumont, in his last moment of humanity, manages to come down the stairs, grab a hold of Legendre, and take him over the cliff with him. And then the girl comes back, and everything's happy. Yeah. And they, it
0: and has they had a this happy really, ending. They had this really great gag in the movie, um... Where the guy never has a match. Right, the minister so never anyway, has a match. goes, Have you like got me. a match? At the end, they have this like real nice medium close-up, and the big pause on the beginning of it, and he goes, Oh, do you have a match? Do you have a match
1: for me. Yes, sir. So great. Uh, you're listening to Filmically Perfect on member-supported 913WYSO, so a very special edition. We're so pleased to be joined live in the studio with a somewhat zombified studio yeah. audience. They're just cold. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Zombicide. you for being here. And we're so pleased. We're
0: at the studio as a channel 16, 14, 16, Well, 19, 16. no,
1: we are so pleased to be taking part in the second annual Dayton Film Festival, and we are in the opulent... Well-appointed studios yeah. of Think TV, and we are taking a look at the 1932, uh, somewhat genre-defining horror film *White Zombie*, uh, starring Bela Lugosi among others. And it's a notable-looking film. Obviously, it's black and white. And um, not only has it been credited with putting the word "zombie" into our lexicon, but there, book upon book upon oh, book, yeah, and then Rob written zombie about this film, named his
0: group named his "White his group, Zombie after this. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. when we talk. About this movie, they say, "Oh, the rock and roll book No, no, mm-hmm. 1932. But he did it in movie.
1: honor to, to to pay tribute to this movie. And interesting um, in some of the reviews that I read, um, people either love it, consider it to be uh, their favorite, their favorite, mm-hmm. or the worst waste of 62 minutes that you could ever.
0: Uh... No, we're the worst waste of. <laughs> hey,
1: there we, we are.
2: The uh, well. Well, as I like to say for our show, those people are just wrong. Right? No, you know, uh, because we're highly subjective. We have rules,
0: and right. we abide by those rules. And they should just make up their own rules if they don't like them. The, 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 the thing, thing that's
2: works. interesting about it, and I realized this just this week, you having picked this like a couple of weeks ago to do this here, is that this film is one of the first really successful independent films yes. that was actually—I mean, was made in Hollywood, but totally outside of the studio system. And it was done by a pair of brothers. Yeah. And you know, brothers, brothers seem to be, be, be a really, really big thing the in, in the independent. The Halpern, these Victor were the Halpern. Victor and Edward Halpern, uh, kind of, cool of like really. the Hughes brothers and the Cohen brothers. and the, Not the Warner brothers. <laughs> um, but they, uh, the, the, the Halpern brothers are really fascinating because when they came to make this movie, they'd made a couple of silent films, and I think this was their first talkie. But they had looked at a lot of films being made in the early 30s with the coming of sound, and they were just horrified that they were so stodgy. They were talking pictures, and there was no action in them. So they had written the script for White Zombie, and they started watching a lot of really great silent films, silent films that people just loved. And this is in
0: 1972 now. And they actually drew
2: out a chart, a paradigm, of what happens in these films that makes them work so well. And they actually took their script and recut it to match this action paradigm that they had come up with for silent films. So what's really interesting about White Zombie, from an, from an independent point of view, an independent film point of view, there's very little dialogue in it. It is so action driven. Most of the scenes um, are done if, with music or sound, and then there will be little little spats of dialogue stuck in between. Um, they also made sure that they had really. There's this beautiful moving camera throughout, which. Was it's just kind hard of to coming back too with a sound camera because it's so big. There's yeah, most of the sound camera. cameras in those early days had to be put in a booth because they didn't have good sound proofing for the cameras yet, so that you know the camera stays locked down on most things. But in this one, they freed the camera up. There are these beautiful moving shots throughout the castle, and they're shooting through things. And, and
0: keep in mind, when you watch zombie movies now, when you watch them, they are so. I mean, everybody loves them, you know. I mean, they're going to have a zombie walk downtown here, you know, for some reason. But keep in mind, when you watch these crazy (laughs) pictures, they all have a very distinct kind of cut formula, which is George Romero's basic "At a zombie with some water, you know. And what it is is they're usually, the zombies sequester, the, the, the victims are sequestered as the zombies are reaching into the holes, and that's their idea of style. But this movie, when you watch it, it has this thing called a story, <laughs> which is an incredible short supply nowadays because we have these huge long endings that kind of outweigh the whole movie where they just keep revamping the ending. But in this movie, it's, it's so succinct and so short, you're going to be kind of caught off guard. It is one of these movies, it's like sushi or something, you just have to kind of, oh yeah, that's not bad, <laughs> not bad, and you start eating it, and then you, then you fall in love with it. Most people that watch this movie will fall in love with it because it has tone it has an Im- impeccable production design because they stole all the sets. Right. They went to the old Dracula sets when they were not working, when they weren't doing the Spanish Dracula because those sets were busy, man. They used them for everything. And these guys went in there and showed you how to do it. They, they used these stark long shadows to get production value. And then the mixture comes to an incredible head when you see the amazing Bela Lugosi work. Watch this man work, he stands here you can't tell whether he's absolutely sexy or just horrifying. <laughs>
2: or both.
1: He's
0: horrifyingly he's sexy. sexy. Yeah. He's even got these great pictures. He's got the necromantic Nixer or whatever right. we called it. You know, and he's sitting there looking like some coffee ad. You know, <laughs> <laughs> But even Nikki responded to this man's like, elegance. Hey. Watch his hands. <laughs> Who's yeah. that guy? You know, maybe he should bite me in the neck, you know, that's <laughs> Well,
2: and that's one of the most interesting things about Lugosi being in this film because like I said, the Halpern brothers had little or no money to work from. So they they pulled a lot of favors because yeah the most of the sets in the film are taken from Dracula and other Universal films I and so they, they kind used, of stole it. in and did yeah, it. Yeah, like, You'll like, see Frankenstein
0: a very very uh, very similar Frankenstein's castle in this, which is a glass painting, glass mat, which is a long lost art now is beautiful glass mats and they it looks like they built some of the mansions with glass mats in there don't you think so basically yeah. they
1: had put a piece of glass that was painted on in front of the, yeah. the lens that then were shot through so the it had the appearance yeah. it was an illusion and very Correct. effective now they well, use a this. green
0: garbage mat which is a, a similar green technique screen. but they used it old-fashioned where they shot through multiple planes of glass
2: well yeah they would actually put up a frame out there on the set and they'd hang the glass in front of the camera while they're shooting and then the live Live action would be underneath it, and the glass would be up. And for those of you listening to this on the radio, I am gesturing right There's now. There's a very large, so huge piece of glass. He's <laughs> gesticulating <Just> <laughs> uh, <laughs> But the most amazing thing is that the Halpern brothers got, um, got Bela Lugosi to be in this movie. Yes. Because at this point, Bela Lugosi was the biggest horror film star in Hollywood. He was, Maybe yeah. second only to Boris Karloff. But and they bribed him to get him in that movie bribed is that true? him is that true uh, uh, Bell Lugosi received a salary of $5,000 to be in this movie and I guess years later as it, you know it made lots of money made lots of money when it came out did and it really it, made, it was very successful it was successful That's, several times around they never
0: did a better movie than
2: and, uh, and Bell Lugosi got $5,000 for it and I guess years later he was still bitter that <laughs> he'd only gotten $5,000 for being in White Zombie
1: do I- To know what is the appeal of this, since it's set a genre, do you think it is the horror, the need that we as humans have to be scared, as like the roller coaster phenomenon, or is it it the zombies, is the undead?
2: I think it's the accent. Don't
1: you think? Very Very, very scary movie. Well, I think a lot of it
2: is is sort of the. uh, I mean, we're still you know in the '30s, we're still coming out of a lot of a lot of gothic. I mean, a lot of the horror films in the early '30s, you know, Dracula and Frankenstein and and uh, there's one called Murder by the Clock. They're all very gothic, you know, old houses, and the, the horror of being buried alive, and, and the undead. Yeah, and the I undead. think that's, you know, that's kind of what this but comes keep, out of. Yeah. Keep in mind when you're, when you're, if you do watch this movie...
0: And you will. You, you want to look at it kind of from the period it was made in 1932. Mm-hmm. Like George was saying, they had Frankenstein, and these were all kind of visionary um, movies, but they were all based on books. Um, And and there were redo, like Dracula. But this was totally, it was not really original in the story, but...
2: It actually was inspired, this is actually, I I can't believe I actually found this. This is a book called The Magic Island by W.B. Seabrook. And he was a missionary down in Haiti and he is the person who brought the word zombie into our language and this is the book that he wrote about his adventures living in Haiti and this is the book that the Halpern brothers read and said, "Ooh, wouldn't it be cool to make a movie about zombies?" It's so, all technique. It bears no resemblance to the story that I have no. read. But this yeah, there there are a little fright and there's little elements of the story in here that they have taken. And um,
0: that's that's kind of what set these guys apart is like most people that have a lot of vision, there's nothing to compare their vision with. So when they came out with this movie, they were way ahead of their time, and Mm -hmm. some people just didn't know. So through the years, it's like many of the movies we talk about, they're not really super successful when they come out, but they have legs, man. They kind of go for years and years and
2: years. And this one has gotten a new set of legs because there was nobody around in 1960 to give it, to renew its copyright. (laughs) So it is now in the public domain. Then that's how I first got to see it, was that it came out on public domain tape.
1: It's kind of like the reason why we all are familiar with um, What, a, Wonder, uh, what a, wonderful a Wonderful life, life yes. because it, it fell into the public domain. So then everyone was allowed to show it, and we became familiar. But I don't think that White Zombie has quite reached that level no, of because the sad thing
2: The sad thing about White Zombie is that the majority, like 99.9% of the copies that are out there look really terrible because they're taking off old 16mm, they're really grimy looking, and they're cut up. Oh, they're really uh, the only one I can recommend, there was a gentleman named Kerry Rohn about 10 years ago who uh, went to great effort to find the best quality prints of White Zombie that he could, because the negative does not survive on it either. At least nobody's saying they have it. So if you want to get a copy of White Zombie and see it as it is as close to what it's supposed to look like, oh. you can still get the Kerry Rohn version. It's put out by Troma the people who brought you the Toxic Avenger. Avenger. Oh, yeah. Um, They have the best version of White Zombie available, and it is is truly amazing.
1: You're listening to a very special edition of Filmically Perfect on River Supported (laughs) 91.3 WYSO. (laughs) I'm Nikki Dakota. We're joined uh, by the Film Guys today, uh, J. Todd Anderson, George Willimon, and we are taping live in front of a studio audience here in the studios of Think TV in beautiful downtown Dayton, Ohio. We have been talking about the 1930s to horror classic, White Zombie. And um, in addition to adding zombie to our language, I feel like um, it also has given young, up-and-coming filmmakers something to aspire to. Why do you suppose it is that so in, many first films are horror films? You
0: can go to any department store and go in there and they have the motion picture section and there's a little box and it's a zombie. Thing. and you you just buy that box and you can go home and make your own zombie movie That's right. everybody <laughs> does it I'm not kidding you everybody well, makes a zombie movie
1: I have to say I don't get it I don't, know I don't get well, the I fascination mean, now that there's with the, the, the horror it is the
0: most ubiquitous formula for making movies
2: why well there's why? A Jane Austen and the zombie book which is out yeah. now there's uh... <laughs> Mel Brooks' son has now written two books about that, how to survive zombie attacks. Yeah, and the Avatar sequel uh, I hear. And, it. I, you know, and, I, oh, I, and myself living close to Washington, D.C., I know all about zombies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, horror films are a guaranteed sell. They are, Why? They really are. I think it's because people can make dramas, but you gotta be really good at it, you know? And you can make a comedy, but you gotta be really good at comedy. But you can do a horror film and maybe not make it so good, and a bad horror film could be a good comedy.
1: You hear what you just said, wait till the world gets out. Oh! Uh, well, um, let's talk about the rules as, uh, as we set them up. It certainly creates the world. Um,
2: yeah. It definitely creates its own rules. It's an extremely controlled world because again, yes. they didn't have a lot of money, so they had the two rooms to shoot in.
1: But they did such a good job. <laughs> So it's created.
2: And I must add, this film so inspired us that we actually have a screenplay that we have written, which we have titled White Trash Zombies. (laughs) Uh, It has been transplanted from Haiti to Kentucky. Yes. And no. they're making cigarettes. They're we making this thing really there, powerful cigarettes. They're going to
0: put, you know, because cigarette business has been put out, you know, they can't make cigarettes anymore. And, of course, we did this 10 years ago. Yeah. And what um, just broke his heart. We just love this picture. Well, <laughs> I'm going to
1: look forward to that. Maybe uh, 50 years from now, we'll be looking back at White Trash a Zombie as Maybe. a okay, perfect zombie. film. Yeah. Keep your eyes peeled. So uh, it's certainly a... a retains its entertainment value. I mean, these 80 it years, 80-plus years...
0: We're pushing 100 on these things, This man. still
1: has as the ability to engage, to draw us in, to keep us along the way. It really is remarkable. And, yeah,
2: the acting is very stagey in it because the, the people who star in it, all three of the stars, uh, Madge Bellamy, John Herron, and Robert Fraser, were silent film actors who were looking for a second life. They were trying to get back into business. And they were
0: trying to out-gesticulate themselves yeah.
2: in this movie. It was like a contest. <laughs> Who could throw their arms around a lot? But, and and mainly <laughs> enough- and The zombie really guys
0: even weren't even close to those actors. <laughs> but dude. that's but like I said,
2: where the film- and, and yes, and the acting will give pause. And, and is kind of chucklesome now. Yeah. But the, the atmosphere of Lagosi and the zombies and some of the beautiful set pieces. And the scene- I think the scene where they take Madeline's coffin down into the crypt and put it in its little hole because they shot it from like you're looking out of the opening and the coffin just comes right up to the camera and obscures your view. Uh, yeah, so it's well it's done. amazing people.
1: Also Well, the, the one I want to mention one part about acting that I thought was really very good. At the, at the one point, there's been uh, the woman has been zombified,
0: Zombatized.
1: zombitized, zombification, and the man also has, but he's not quite gone yet. And Bella comes to talk to him and says, "Can you still understand me or whatever he yeah. says?" And he, can you, and you can see that he, yeah, yeah, can you still hear me? And he's like clutching up and he. Looks at uh, the Bela Lugosi character with this pleading. You know, he's like he's almost gone.
0: You Start feeling sorry
1: for that guy. You uh-huh. do. It was very good. So I mean, I mean, the silent film acting certainly was present, but that that was a really real moment, and I felt uh, very sorry for him. And it was just you, could, you know, he couldn't even use his hands anymore. So uh, interesting that that the, that the silent <laughs> acting did, I think, deliver on uh, many yes. occasions in this. And, and you movie. know, Madge
0: Bellamy, she's quite the dish in this movie. She. Before pre, we talk a little bit about yeah, pre-code, code. and uh, she is is pretty risque. Yeah, you can see Madge Bellamy, Bellamy in her undies. Uh, yeah. uh,
1: pre-code is the Hayes Code that um, came in to uh, sort of uh, tamp everything down in Hollywood so that nothing racy, unethical, immoral, or um, otherwise fun. In fact, I did. I, I remember one guy <laughs> said he
0: saw this movie just to see Madge Bellamy. Uh, in her underwear. She
1: does. She's about to be married and she's standing right in her there. beautiful underwear. I mean, that really,
0: that regardless of changes in um, society, that really hangs on. For guys that want to see a movie that's, you know, 80 years old of, of a girl in her underwear, not saying something about a picture <laughs> holding on, man. Yeah. Some staying power.
1: Yeah. Some clinging that's power. That's star
0: power, man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: That's right, right, they actually made a Madge Bellamy action figure, and she's just got underwear on. Yep. And then, you, you know, you got your belt. guy, you know. <laughs> look, at me. Look, at me. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. Yeah, man, I'm freezing.
1: Shall we? We have been coming to you live from the beautiful studios at Think TV in downtown Dayton. It's another edition of Filmically Perfect Down the Drain on 91.3 WYSO. And as always, a pleasure. Uh, we'll see you next time uh, on the true radio. And it's been a pleasure recording here today a part of the film Dayton Festival. I'm Nikki DeCos saying goodbye. Thank you so much for being here, George Willeman. My pleasure. And it's as always, on. je t'ai. D'un. I thank you very
0: much. It's
1: been a uh, uh, Perfect. And thank, you. <laughs> Yay! thank you so much.